This is Restless. Well, this is Restless without me, the host, Matt. I have turned the show completely over to the capable hands of Pastor Michael. So we'll see what he has for you while I'm gone taking care of a new human being. I hope all is well with you. All is going pretty well for us as I record this, at least. I can't wait to hear right along with you whatever these episodes include. Welcome back, everyone. It's me. You all expected me to start off the episode. It's Pastor Michael. I I am not with Matt tonight uh, because Matt, for some reason, wanted to take some time off to be with his newborn baby. I think that shows a little bit of lack of commitment to the podcast, but we can take that up with him later. Um, In his stead... Uh, this week, I get to have uh, a couple guys um, that have been around before. You've heard their names before. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, introduce their their podcast um, and and everything like that. But uh, I have Elijah and Noah back with me. What's up, guys? Welcome, guys. Yeah. What's up? I'm happy to be here. Uh, yeah. Uh, as Michael said, I'm I'm one of the hosts of the Simper Doctrina podcast, and uh, Noah's my co-host. Um, Sounds so weird. It's like we do the podcast together, but I feel like when I say that, it's like I'm in charge. So I, <laughs> it's I, all right. I'm the co-host with Matt. Yeah. So. And you so, feel it, right? Everybody's yeah. gonna know. I lead the podcast, and it's just me. It's just not as fun. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to take us from here. I let Matt do that, and I just get to respond to things, and that's honestly way more fun to me. So, so I get. Yeah. It. <laughs> no, there, there's pressure in being the one that's hosting. It's like, oh, how am I going to transition to this to the next scene? But um, I'm happy that you're the one hosting today, and I'm not having to think through transitions. <laughs> no, I'm, how does it I'm, feel to be I'm, yeah. I I love it. You know, um, I guess I I probably play a similar role as you. Uh, Elijah gets to find the TikTok theologians, and I just get to respond. Um, and uh, I don't have the pressure of trying to intro or do the outro because i am really bad at it go listen uh, to the last episode it's wonderful I, that- <laughs> I i can't keep going i can't keep it serious i just lose it it feels awkward but it's great um <laughs> it's it's good we have a lot of fun um so go check it out go listen to the podcast talk about a lot of good stuff over there listen to or respond to some tiktok theologians talk about theology in the bible so um, but i'm glad to be here i'm glad to be with you guys Awesome. Yeah. And so what, what do you guys do just in your kind of normal lives? Yeah. Um, so you do the podcast. Uh, what else? Just so people get to know you a little so bit better if they that, haven't heard the other episodes. That's it. I just do the podcast and I bum around. No, <laughs> that um, is pretty life. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they, they say I'm a youth director, but really I just put all my efforts into the podcast, which is really sad when we're only releasing like once a month right now. Um, no. So I'm, I'm a full-time youth director at a small church or decent sized church, small denomination called the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. Um, they're based primarily out in the South. So I'm I'm based out of South Carolina. Uh, so I'm doing that full time. And then part time, I am a youth or am a student at RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary up in Charlotte. Um, and stay busy doing all of that. I try to keep my sanity working with youth doing seminary. And then uh, when I need a little bit of an outlet to kind of express some more in-depth theology, uh, that's when Noah and I get together and we we discuss theology on the podcast. Awesome. Um, I am in Kansas um, 
for those who don't know, um, if you haven't listened to our podcast or just are not aware, Elijah and I grew up together in Kansas. So we've been friends since like middle school. Um, and I'm still here while he's gone off to greater and better things. Um, <laughs> but is this why you're the co-host? And yeah, uh... <laughs> this is why I'm, I'm just the lowly co-host. As, as my <laughs> as my roommate says, um, it's better below the Mason Dixon line. So, um, and I think I agree with that. <laughs> um, I currently am attending a PCA church here, and I'm in the process of going under care um, of our presbytery. Um, and hoping to go out to RTS in Charlotte in hopefully this next year, um, this next upcoming fall, um, Lord willing. Um, right now, just working a blue collar job. Um, I just got married last April um, to my lovely wife, Jenna. So shout out, Jenna. Um, nice. So my life is pretty humble, studying um, as I can on my time, helping lead a Bible study on Monday night with some guys here in the area, um, trying to serve my church and talking about some ridiculous stuff with Elijah and some not so ridiculous stuff with Elijah um, until I'm out there with him in person. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you guys back on. Um, we obviously have a lot of fun in the, the Patreon group chat and um, have had uh, both of you on in different ways. No, I don't know if you've been on, have you been on the podcast at full Because Matt came on to do some TikTok theologians with you guys and i think we played the episode um on right. the restless feed and so it counts it counts yeah. you've been on it, yeah uh, the, the francis <laughs> chain episode that i got in trouble for a little bit so it, <laughs> wonderful our audience is not as used to p- us uh <laughs> laughing at stuff as i think the restless audience is so <laughs> we had too too much fun i think yeah. I, I feel like it can be a lot more just unhinged and just laugh at things on this podcast so i'm, yes. I'm gonna you go can. For it. you can you can uh uh grab a beverage as matt would like to say and uh, have a little bit of fun um although honestly at least to start we've got some plans for later uh but right now it's, you know, maybe not a serious, serious topic, but we want to, you know, get into some uh, Im- important things. Um, so uh, we're having you guys on and, uh, you know, Matt and I kind of think of you guys as a little bit closer. We were just talking about this, that maybe you're not uh, full bore in the Gen Z category, uh, but you you seem to be a little bit closer to it and you're a little bit more uh, kind of in the know maybe uh, than we are as far as um, some of the different theological trends and what's going on kind of on the ground um, with the next generation. Uh, so, uh, you know, you know, we talk a lot about the Young Restless Reform, these different uh, leaders that have, you know, been prominent throughout time. Um, I, you know, in some ways, we've maybe strayed from some of the YRR stuff. We still do a lot of Mark Driscoll, but we do bit of other things we are planning to do more uh moving into this new year and maybe even especially start maybe working through some of the the second generation uh young restless and reformed leaders uh maybe a little bit closer to our day some of the guys who are still still going uh strong so maybe moving from the you know the pipers uh the the guys of that generation kind of moving down the line a little bit to uh what came next but uh Tonight, I think what we want to do is uh, hear from both of you, uh, maybe your own brief, brief, you know, encounters with the Young Restless and Reform Calvinism. How did how did any of this come about uh, for you? But then also, if we could kind of move that into what what 
would you say are are maybe some of the young, uh, young or not necessarily young, but popular uh, young restless and reformed type leaders, preachers, the guys who everybody's looking to, like Matt and I would have looked to uh, Mark Driscoll uh, or a John Piper, who on the ground right now is is kind of taking that place. So, uh, you know, what? Start with where you are, you know, coming from, where, you know, a little bit of your own story, and then we'll kind of move in, in that direction. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll start first, and then uh, I'm sure Noah and I will kind of trade off, partially just because um, what you will notice is we have almost the exact same story. Um, we grew up in the same church together. Um, you know, you know, it's funny. I was listening to the Restless podcast at how, like, you and Matt came to more of the Reformed tradition, and that resonated with me because a lot of that is true of me as well. Um, but anyway, Noah and I grew up in the same church. Uh, we were just saying in the Patreon the other day how it was a large mega church. Uh, I looked up how many seats it is. It's like 3,100 something seats, and there were at one point four services per weekend, <laughs> and, and they filled out almost every single one of those services. So that's the type of church we grew up in. It was a mega church. Um, we have quite a few critiques of that church, um, but also some of our best moments in life come from that church. Um, so it's a, a love relationship may not be the best term, but it's kind of a love hate relationship with that church um, in that theologically they were not very solid, but we love it because so much of our childhood and upbringing comes from that church. And actually to this point, my parents are still at that church and uh, that church is much more faithful today than what it was when we were growing up there. So anyway, um, as I went into high school, I ended up leaving that church over some theological issues. Um, my parents stayed behind just to um, be with my older brothers who wanted to fight for the truth. But I was at a point that I needed more solid grounding in a church. So I left that mega church to go to a decent sized uh, evangelical free church that was reformed leaning really liked, uh, they really liked Mark Dever and the sorts of him. Um, and I would say that was probably where I was first exposed to more reformed leaning theology. Um, around the time is also when I started reading Ephesians chapter one, came across that darn word predestined. And um, it is in there. I, it is. You know, it <laughs> is. Unfortunately <laughs> for some that it is there. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I remember at one point, uh, and this was before Noah was even talking about reformed theology at all, probably, I think even before you would say you were a Christian, I, I brought up in our friend group, I'm like, there's this word predestined. What does it mean? And like, all of us were just walking circles around what that word means, but not <laughs> really willing to say what it was. Yeah. Um, so it, it, that was a very interesting thing for me. Um, after high school, I went to a sister E free church came on as their youth worship director um, I unfortunately kind of helped that church move in some of more of a flashier, uh, I don't want to say secret sensitive, but flashier type church. Um, and it was in that, that I started getting burnt out and I was like, wow, this is really hard to worship. Why is worship so difficult? Why am I getting burnt out? Mm -hmm. And, uh, then I came across the regular principle of worship, uh, that led me to some other reformed thoughts, uh, like reformed soteriology eventually covenant theology, uh, which then led to infant baptism. And now I'm here. So yeah, that that's my long answer to answer your first question. Yeah. 
Great. My, so my story is, I mean, obviously pretty similar, um, except for where Elijah left Central Christian. Oh, um, I don't know if you're supposed to say the name, but <laughs> when, Elijah left, when Elijah left our uh, childhood church, uh, I stayed on. And um, mine was, I guess, a little different. Um, after I became a Christian, it was actually my older brother um, who first asked me, well, I guess, after I become a Christian, he asked me at one point, we were hanging out, um, kind of out of nowhere. He's Noah, what do you, uh, what do you think about predestination? And, uh, you know, he had been reading, uh, the scriptures. He'd been listening to some guys. He had like become a Christian, uh, maybe a year or so before that. And so he had gotten introduced to voices like RC Sproul and, um, John Piper and some of those guys. And, uh, I remember in the moment, uh, just the most guttural reaction to the idea of predestination. Um, <laughs> I fought it tooth and nail. Um, I I went as so went so far as to Google verses uh, in support of like free will, and I was like, "There's no <laughs> like you know quoting out of Joshua, choose you this day who you serve, right? Like, well, God's a love the world that whosoever right. <laughs> ha got yeah, you, whoever, yeah, <laughs> really, classic. Yes, I thought I did something." Uh, <laughs> And then it it sounds, I don't know, it may be, I don't know, everybody says this, but genuinely with that question in mind, I started, I was reading through the New Testament for the first time. And uh, really it was like reading through the Bible, I was convinced of uh, the doctrines of grace and that continued. I would, I would largely attribute um, my move to reform theology primarily to the scriptures. And I know, you know, maybe some people would, have an issue with that, that and say that I read somebody so else who influenced I, I but it's <laughs> I, it's the truth you know <laughs> um it, i read other people and they helped to put like doctrinal names and terms to what i was reading mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but it was more that i read those people and it confirmed i guess and and gave some terminology to what i was reading in the bible not the other way around yeah um and Elijah and I had, you know, whole discussions reading the Old Testament together in undergrad um, about, you know, you just get out of the Old Testament. It's really hard, like, not to see just the sovereignty of God and everything mm -hmm. that happens. Yeah. Um, and so then for me, I, there was actually one of the catalysts in my coming to Reformed Understanding the Faith was this older pastor at Central Christian, um, an extraordinarily faithful pastor who had, um, in many ways, been uh, kind of ostracized from the rest of the church because of his beliefs, um, because he was a very biblical guy, listened to a lot of biblical voices. Um, and it was through him that I actually got introduced to voices like R.C. Sproul um, and Mark Dever and Ligon Duncan, um, you know, kind of those that that crew and started listening to their sermons and um, reading some of their books. And those were really, really helpful. Um, and he's still there, still doing his thing. Um, he was best friends with a PCA pastor here in Wichita. And uh, this PCA church said that he was the best uh, pastor that they never had on staff because he brought more people from like a mega church setting to like going to this PCA church because they had started reading the scriptures and come to a reform understanding. So he's like the best pastor that they never paid <laughs> to do anything. So, um, but he was, yeah, great guy. And so, yeah, for me, it was about the same time as Elijah, you know, and then, um, sometimes we weren't aware that each other were studying these things mm -hmm. and learning these things. And then we'd have discussions and like, Oh, I was thinking about this too. Or I was thinking about this from a different angle. And, um, but genuinely as maybe cliche as it sounds is I read the Bible and yeah, you know, 
It speaks love, for itself. It's it's almost like you guys have two like healthy of stories. <laughs> I feel like on Restless, we're always like, well, I watched a Mark Driscoll rant. I thought he was really funny. <laughs> well, kind of liked when he swears. And... We're, we're not saying we didn't have that. <laughs> no, <laughs> for sure. The Matt Chandler, you're not David, yeah. is probably one oh, of I our love, favorite yeah. clips uh, from early on. And, the classic, um, yeah. And, you know, just kind of the whole cage stage, like, we all went. We we both went through that. We, it's not that we're trying to <laughs> oh, make the cage it sound stage much more was graceful, real, but it we, was real. We were both cage stage for quite a we while. We were not. We were not great. What's no. your, we what's were, your worst, We maybe asked you this in the past, but what's your worst cage stage moment that you're willing to share? Oh God! Like, oh goodness! Oh, people love these. So I don't, many. because almost everybody that listens—not everybody, but almost everybody that listens—has some kind of really cringe moment of the cage stage really coming out. Uh, so I, I, this is after I got out my cage stage, but it was with my best friend, uh, not Noah. Noah, you are one of my best friends, but one of my no, other whatever, ones, um, it's whatever, Just, <laughs> I, I won't take it personally. I one, one of my other one, one of my other best friends, um, we, we, we co-host. You, also, yeah, you co-host. also have a podcast with him. Yeah. yeah my best friends. You're being pretty brutal. Gracious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we, so this was after my cage stage uh, where I was well settled into being Presbyterian um, and had calmed down a lot. But there's this buddy of mine that like we we love each other dearly, like we do truly see each other as brothers. Um, we will also go down each other's throats and just completely go at it at, at each other. So we were we were going out for uh, food and drinks and we're just there talking. Um, and we're going back and forth and uh, somehow limited atonement and predestination, all of that, like Calvinistic soteriology came up. And uh, and he he co- comes out with the classic line of, I believe God is a gentleman. And I just like straight face looked at him and I go, yeah, I'm sure Jonah believed the same thing after he was swallowed by a fish. Um, and uh, that stopped him dead in his tracks. He did not know how to respond to that. Um so that's that's not my worst one. I, I can't. I don't know. I think this the same friend. I think at one point I called him biblically illiterate. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that's um, the Trump card in yeah, the argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still friends to this day, so we're good. This is good. That is good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I I'm I'll yeah. I hate to say I think I was really cringy as a cage stage calvinist but um i think the one that sticks out to me that i'm ashamed to say um was i think the the people who took the heat the most from my cage stage was my family um and it was i mean it was bad you know it was like are any of them even christians because they don't believe in predestination um like my my mom who like faithfully raised us all to know the faith and homeschooled six kids it was like i don't know if mom's a christian because uh, she doesn't believe in predestination. And uh, at one point, the only time I really remember it coming out was I had, I remember getting a heated argument with my sisters and my mom about it. I mean, well, at least I was heated. And I think there, I think there were tensions all around, but I mean, I was like, I was like saying, you know, that like, this is the truth. This is like the Bible and which is true. But, um, and it was, but I made it so dramatic. Like if, you know, like if I can't be a part of his family anymore, and like if I am the only one who like is going to believe the truth and stand for the truth, like, so be it. That's the price I'm willing to pay. 
and uh it was just so over the top like so, yeah, so there's so some dramatic. young man hormones going through too yeah. right yeah, i was just going crazy <laughs> a lot. and so so and it makes like i'm so ashamed to think it especially about my mom um but if i could take that back i definitely would mm-hmm. um yep. but, yeah it was it was bad so praise praise the lord for sanctification yep. <laughs> yes yeah, praise God for his grace. Hopefully we can save some of you from your cage stage moments who are listening, but also maybe we can't. So maybe you just <laughs> yeah, got to go through don't, it. Uh, and don't go questioning everybody's salvation, hey, please. That's <laughs> after, right. Immediately bit. after you hear of the doctrines of grace, go look up the Westminster Confession of Faith. Read through that immediately because <laughs> I would say that is the thing that calmed me down significantly was, oh, there's actually history behind this and people have thought through this so thoroughly that I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to be this defender in this, in this area. And I can just <laughs> say like, Oh yeah, this is what I believe. Go look it up. Yeah. You are probably not Martin Luther. So, um, all right. <laughs> uh, so being that you are maybe a little bit closer to kind of the on the ground Gen Z reformed or not as reformed scene, right? Who would you say is out there right now, um, or or even you know as you look back uh, over over your time, and you've mentioned some names, but but who have been the voices connected to the YRR that are still in some way you know popular, or still speaking to large groups, or is there anybody that is in a similar place too, where you know there had been a, a John Piper, Mark Driscoll, those sorts of names. Noah, you want to go first? Um, yeah, I don't know, truthfully, like how many I could name. Um, I think I think Kevin DeYoung is is certainly a big one out there. I think he, with a lot of younger people, um, I mean, like he was somebody that, I mean, I still listen to him a lot and appreciate him. Um, but I know, like, he's taught like um, the cross conference. Um, preached there and I think he's a pretty big name there um, I think some of the guys have taken more of a backseat like you know John Piper and some of those guys as they've kind of um, uh, like John Piper retiring and stuff like that but I, I think still I would say probably um, I think Mark Dever's still a guy that a lot of people um, a lot of younger people at least in my periphery they kind of discover nine marks and uh um, still look to them a lot. Um, and then Kevin DeYoung. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other other names. I think um, there's one guy on Instagram and YouTube, uh, Honest Youth Pastor. There's a lot of oh, a lot my. of people um, that I think interact with his stuff a lot. I, th- mm-hmm. I think he's probably the most popular that I know of right now, and especially on those platforms since he's on like YouTube and Instagram and you know TikTok and all those things that people are watching. Um, a lot of people, I think, interacting with that. Yeah. I, I don't know what you'd add, Elijah. It's it's a difficult thing because I, I don't think a lot of people will sit down and listen to sermons that much anymore. Um, so, you know, for me, uh, when I first became a Christian uh, and I was going into eighth grade, Francis Chan was probably the leading voice I listened to. And I mm-hmm. listened to so many of his sermons, uh, like all of his books, uh, little video series. I was all about those. Um, that led me to Matt Chandler, um, John Piper, eventually 
Um, and then John Piper is obviously the gateway drug to the in-depth reform theology. Um, but now, like, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people, if 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 the person of influence isn't necessarily utilizing Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, they're not necessarily getting the hands of Gen Z. So I, I could almost promise that at my church, which is a reformed Presbyterian church, I could say R.C. Sproul to my students who are definitely Gen Z and they may just look at me like who in the world is that um but when but if I were to say someone on TikTok like maybe red red pin logic or the honest youth pastor um Alyssa child childers I I wrote down some names um they may not know exactly who it is but maybe if they followed certain counts when they get onto their search page they may have seen some of their stuff on there. So, mm, so their I, stuff is popping up. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. I have no idea who any of those people are. Really? So what, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, what so what kind of <laughs> I mean, what kind of stuff are they putting out? What kind of content? I you know, I the, literally the, don't know at all. The honest youth pastor started out as uh, kind of a meme page. Um, and then he's slowly shifted it over to more um just not necessarily like sermon, dis- sermon responses. Yeah. And, but it's yeah. not like it's not like your everyday discernment ministry where it's just like this person's leading you to hell. Like he's he's he, he has like a criteria of just like what makes up a good sermon. I'm not necessarily talking about whether he's uh, Arminian or Calvinist or anything like that. He's just like, were they faithful to the text? So he, he walked through um, being a good sermon listener and then also. If it's like if they're actually a good preacher um, and, you know, he has a fine balance. Uh, he he listens to a lot of reformed guys, reviews their stuff. Um, I don't think I've ever heard him say anything negative about those guys. And then he'll also review like Stephen Furtick and, um, you know, some of the Stephen Furtick stuff like he he actually points out where Stephen Furtick does stuff right which is hard for me to say, um, but, um, <laughs> but like Stephen Furtick occasionally does things right. Uh, a clock is right. Like the cardigans. Times, yeah, a broken clock is right <laughs> two times a day. So um, <laughs> that's a cardigan. That's yeah. A- <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he's, he's kind of switched over to like sermon reviews <laughs> and different. Um, I don't want to, I don't think he wants to say discipleship because he has a high view of the local church and understands that belongs to the local church. But um, I'm going to use the term discipleship, understanding there's probably a better term, Uh, different aspects of discipleship online, thinking through how to think through things biblically and things like that. Um, Red I think he's really, I was going to say, I think he's really helpful because a lot of, a lot of the people who are utilizing social media really well to reach the Gen Z audience are not voices that I would want any Christian listening to. Right. So it's a lot of, a lot of like Stephen Furtick, um, a lot of uh, what's his name, Michael Todd. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Michael Todd, but just, I mean, just some He's the really... guy that uh, spit in someone's eyes because he thought that yeah. was a great illustration. <laughs> yeah. Sermon illustration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he has, yeah he his has church is also the bread in the pockets where, um, <laughs> Some guy, oh, yeah, the, some guy, like this is terrible. Some guy equated Jesus Christ with a stripper. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So man, I had to justify man, it later. I'm too. unaware of this. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he like he tried to. I don't remember what the. I'm trying to remember the context. He he even did a podcast later, like explaining the context and kind of doubling down on what he said, which is the real shocking thing. 
Um, but he's, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that's like, um, you know, the Lord's given me license to do all sorts of things and say all sorts of unhinged things to reach a particular audience. Um, But those are the guys that are using social media to their advantage. And they have a, there's a lot of people listening to them. Um, There's a lot of people who are hearing what there's, you know, through TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is. So the honest youth, honest youth pastors, I think is one of, is a really helpful ministry because if, they're getting those things showing up on their social media page. There's a chance he's going to come through too, um, but he's going to be able to bring discernment to it. And I think he is also exceptionally good. Elijah mentioned this at he's very charitable and he's not a very brash person. So he's not somebody that you would listen to and just get really, really mad. I think about if he's yeah. like saying something, you know, in critique of your favorite evangelical pastor um and so i think it's a bit disarming and helps people to listen um and not just shut down and walk away um Mm. and then i think elijah is going to go on but red pen logic um i really like his videos he's got this thing it's his whole thing is like short little apologetic videos like a couple minutes long at most um, and it's kind of the same thing, responding to different videos or different TikToks or, you know, whatever it might be. But um, he just like, he picks up a little red pin out of a mug and it's like, let's talk about this, gives kind of a, de- a de- apologetic um, a defense for the Christian faith, you know, based on what is under attack or or even responding to something or showing the biblical answer to something that's, you know, hot garbage. Um, but he does it in very short like digestible bites. Um, Cause I agree with Elijah. I think, you know, one of the issues of like Gen Z and and young people is there's no attention span whatsoever to, you know, to listen to anything longer than like, I mean, 10 minutes is a stretch, right? I don't want to just put that on Gen Z. I know I'm like right at the cusp. Like I call myself <laughs> a zillennial, but like <laughs> the, the doom scroll is real. Like it, 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 gets, yeah. it gets me as a 26 year old. Um, right. So it's like, if that's me where I probably have much more uh, soberness of mind and self-awareness, like how much more so for a hormonal Gen Z teenager that doesn't have their frontal lobe fully developed. Like, yeah, their attention right. span is all over the place. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know my attention span is all over the place now too. I'm like, I'm getting worse and worse over time. Um, I can't imagine what I would have been like if I had something like TikTok or Reels or anything like that available to me when I was younger, right? I mean, when you, I mean, you had YouTube videos and things like that, but, but it just to have it like on a phone and be able to just quick flip through things mm-hmm. that like they had, they got us. Right. Like yep. they really got us with this. <laughs> right. Uh, yep. But I am grateful that there's guys who are making good stuff out there. I just there, probably the reason I don't know a lot of these people is because almost uh, almost exclusively the stuff that I watch is not actually like Christian material. It's not Matt always comes <laughs> up with these like great, you know, horrible videos that he finds of people doing crazy <laughs> stuff. And I just never get any of that stuff because it's all like fishing or like reselling stuff it's it's you're probably at much more peace than we are (laughs) i get i get a lot of the guy have you seen the guy on youtube that goes around and he cuts people's lawns for free if they're really yes yes those are so satisfying (laughs) it's the best it's absolutely the best i love that so it's it's that kind of stuff that i see 
I don't see any of this, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so good funny. or goofy. Uh, 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 so I, work. I so, do have no, one more cool though to hear. Yeah, go ahead. I do have one more person. So Alyssa, uh, Ch Childers, Childers. I, I don't know how to say her last name. I think it's Childers. <laughs> Noah, do you know what music group she was a part of? I think it was Zoe Girl. Zoe right? Girl or oh, some, I'm sure some was, like I'm early sure 2000s, late 90s. Yeah, I know Zoe she, Girl. So yeah. like everyone that surrounded her, except for like Jeremy Camp and John Cooper of Skillet has pretty much deconstructed. Yep. And she's fed up with that. And like she almost deconstructed. I think she almost right. joined the cults or something like that. Or yeah. uh, no, the emergent church movement. I think that's what it was that like infiltrated the church she was at. Yeah. So anyway, like she she's solid. And I would I would say she's like at least reformed leaning, if not um, like a reformed Baptist, if, if you want to use that category. Yeah. Um, but she she just came out with a book with Red Pit and Logic about the whole deconstruction movement and like why we you shouldn't. Know, I have be heard okay of this. So I, maybe I have heard her name and I just didn't realize it in context. But yeah, I have I have heard of this. Yeah. So so she does quite a few videos like that. Um, I think. Uh, Beth Stuckey is another person that Ali Beth Stuckey, uh, Ali Beth yeah. Stuckey comes up quite a bit. So I, I think if there are Gen Z's that are looking for more theology um, online, it's moved away from uh, these big name pastors now being your online pastor to now these short little quippy responses and thoughts and stuff like that on uh, Instagram reels and TikTok. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's in in some ways it's moved to uh, influencers, right? And then hmm. maybe those pastors that you still see showing up a lot, um, they show up because they are maybe more influencer than pastor, right? Whereas right. you hmm. know maybe that wasn't quite the same thing in the past. Although probably it was always a little bit, right? I mean, when you're when you're putting out the kind of content that Mars Hill or others were, like you've got an element that is that is definitely kind of on the on the front end of of an influencer type culture. So what do you see as, you know, you know, as much as you are able, what do you see as some of the trends then that are kind of affecting uh, people right now? So when we think about, you know, the young restless and reform movement, um, whatever you think of it was an incredibly strong movement within the broader church, um, within evangelicalism more broadly to such an extent that, I mean, you talked about growing up um, and, you know, eventually connecting to a free church. I grew up in the evangelical free church. Um, to this day, the vast majority of evangelical free churches I go to, um, the guys who are pastors there, or a lot of guys connected there will consider themselves reformed. Yeah. Um, like, and, and, and they're like, they're usually not and God bless them. Right. Like I love them, but like what they mean by that though is, I don't know what they always mean by it, but I think the reason that they do that is because we went through this period of time where all of a sudden to be reformed was kind of how you say, yeah, I'm like, I'm like one of the good ones, right? Like I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a, that kind of a Christian. And so it set you apart, but it was so popular that it actually became the thing that you wanted to be. And that's kind of hung on. Um, although maybe in some ways that's changing. So what do you see as some of the, the more uh, major trends going on so I, i've got three categories and it's stuff that i have pulled completely out of uh instagram comments so the first one is begom lutheran begom i don't know what begom means but begom lutheran what? um trash <laughs> cat and ortho bro <laughs> 
Okay. So, it, like, I, I would have to say, if we see Gen Z moving in either direction, um, you're going to see either a greater rejection of uh, traditional conservative Christian values, or you're going to see a full accepting of it. But instead of it being like an evangelical light, so even jelly or anything like that, it's going to be something rooted in a historic tradition. I think that has to do a lot with like the trad West, like influence that's coming in right now. Um, But it's like, you know, be gone Lutheran. They, they, I don't know what be gone necessarily means. I think they're, I think they're being silly and trying to say like become Lutheran. Um, and, uh, with the trad cats and ortho bros, like what I'm seeing a lot is that they are desiring to see a people who are unwavering in their beliefs. And if they have a confessional statement, not, um, taking any exceptions from that. So, uh, I was talking with my roommates and he was saying that he has a buddy that, um, was Presbyterian for a while and then became Lutheran because Lutheran ministers are not able to take exceptions to their confessional statements. And yeah. he, he was just really attracted by that. He's like, Presbyterians say they believe these things, but then their ministers like reject like two or three things of their confessional statements. And that just seems mm-hmm. inconsistent. Yeah. So that that's what I'm seeing. Just people that are unwavering in their belief and just like going forward with what they believe in faith and practice. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here. Don't take any exceptions. Stop taking exceptions, people. <laughs> come, yep. come on. Yep. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's interesting. Noah, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. So I I think I see two, two things primarily and, and young Gen Z Christians. Um, and it all stems from, I think a really uh, high level of dissatisfaction with the way the church has been recently um and especially like particularly the way that i think like the seeker sensitive movement drove churches to try and bring people in and then just kind of the lack of anything robust um or seeming to be meaningful in any way and so there's kind of two opposite reactions that i've observed in young people one is they i mean just like full on board reformed or go roman catholic or lutheran or anglican it's like some sort of high church uh polity you know something with more robust confessional standards um something much more traditional generally in nature um or it's something extremely charismatic um are the are the two extremes i've seen so kind of maybe the opposite right like where we don't have like a high church structure and there are really no confessional standards but i think that i think it all revolves around the experience those people had with churches like growing up and feeling very frustrated by it and some people i think what they both desire is something much more meaningful and robust and experiential and so then they go two very separate directions to try and find something that's more robust and experiential. Um, and so, I mean, there's, cause I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people here. I don't know if this, I don't think it's unique to Wichita, um, but there has, there's definitely been a uh, growth, I think. And Elijah would probably be able to speak to this, but I think there's been a lot of growth in per, like very charismatic uh, churches in, in Wichita at least. And I think that's probably pretty common you know, throughout the United States. I think there's been a lot of growth yeah. in, in charismatic churches, charismatic 
denominations. And I, I would add to that to say it's not just charismatic churches, but these some of these churches may have been, may have been your more Acts 29-esque type churches and are yeah. moving away from the more reformed side of it and diving into the more charismatic side of the Acts 29. Interesting. Yeah. And that, that, but I also see a lot of people going towards um particularly i mean in my circles a lot of young people ending up in the reformed movement or something much more robust in nature um you know like at a church like we have a good e-free church here and i would say that they're like reform sympathetic you know they're mm-hmm. um as a church i just think as like an e-free church you can't be a like there's certain uh barriers to being like ref- truly reformed um but in terms of the emphasis on expositional preaching and a lot of their the doctrinal standards that they do have there would be kind of an adjacent to reforms like maybe one step short um in some ways and there's a lot of young people i think particularly young guys who are very drawn to that and i think like there's this draw to a more historic christianity And um, maybe another thing I would add is I think they see a lot of strength and masculinity and a a historical Christianity, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, another like whole thing is like the, you know, the sissified Jesus that a lot of us grew up with. Like I know I grew up with like a very, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but like truly a pretty pathetic version of Jesus. And when you read the Bibles, I mean, it's, I don't know how to say it without it just sounding so blah in comparison to everything that he is. But, you know, you read the Bibles and then you're just struck by just how glorious and magnificent Jesus is. And you start to realize that he's not just like this guy who came on and taught some good things, who did some good works, but like he is, you know, the center of redemptive history. And he's just this, this figure that just blows your mind in every way. And historically, I think the church has done a much better job of, trying to articulate that and capture that you know always failing because how can you possibly like get to everything that jesus is but like the church has there's so much on that in church history and then recently you have a very different version of jesus and so i think a lot of young guys in particular are drawn to just jesus as a strong savior he's a kind and gracious and and lowly savior but he's a strong and powerful king a powerful savior and i think there's a lot of drawn to that for young guys as well I had to look up a lyric of a song that we sang in church growing up, uh, and it's it's Sonic Floods in the Secret, um, and the oh, chorus classic. Is, I, this is I, this is one of the worst. It's I just want, one of the worst. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. I am reaching for the highest goal that oh. I might receive the prize. Pressing onward, pushing every hindrance aside out of my way because i want to know you more it's it's brutal everybody yeah. if you want to go so, listen to it you can go listen to it it's yeah. this is this is one of the number one songs that comes up when uh when i'm talking with people and we want to kind of make fun of the type <laughs> of music that we're talking about right like the, the so sissy really jesus yes. and weird and and jesus is my boyfriend type stuff this is oh that's it's brutal jesus is my boyfriend <laughs> I mean, I saw a video recently on Instagram, uh, like a reel, and it was kind of to effect. It was a group of young guys, um, younger than me, um, probably like 18, 19, like so young college age kids, a bunch of young guys singing some very, um, some, I, mean, I don't remember what the song was, but something along those lines. 
and uh, the thing was ca- the video was captioned about like it was about God raising up a new generation of of young men in the church, and it was just kind of an odd thing because it was just this really horrible. I mean, it was a horrible dumpster fire to watch. Um, but what was interesting though is when you went to the comments, there were so many comments from guys and Christian guys who just were so frustrated by that. They were just like, mm-hmm. "This is." This is like Matt. This is what it means to be a man and a Christian. Like, who wants to be a part of this? And I think there's a lot of people in the world, you know, who a lot of people not in the Christian faith who see that as well, right? And they're they're drawn to masculine figures and masculine voices, and they don't see a lot of that in the church. Mm. And so there's a lot of dissatisfaction with just that. And I mean, that goes for women too, right? Like, you could ask my wife; she would tell you that too, right? In the way that like the defeminization of women because of, you know, sexual revolution and all sorts of stuff. And so coming to, I guess, but I think that's why a lot of people are going to those robust, Mm. robust, more robust traditions is because there's something much more meaningful and impactful there. Um, And then they feel like they're part of this great heritage that allows them to be like a man or a woman and to believe and to think and to believe in things that matter um, without it being, I want to see you and I want to touch your face and, you know, like uh, let's all sway and like hold our phones up, you know, and then, yeah, it's, I mean, it's horrible. It's like when, when, when that song is your profession of faith, that's a pretty sad profession of faith. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of gross. Like, it's yeah. just weird. It's uh, it's just weird. So, yeah, no, this is great. Uh, you know, let's before we end. Why don't you give, and maybe you, you've kind of done this maybe a, a little bit, but why don't you give some, you know, recommendations that you might have um, as far as, you know, if somebody's listening, maybe they're in that that younger age group, they're they're just starting to discover some of these things. Maybe they're interested in Reformed theology. Maybe they're just interested in a faith that isn't, you know, sissified and 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 uh, effeminate or something like that. What what kind of recommendations would you give? What kind of resources would you to to steer them in the right direction go for it noah um okay yeah um i have i have a list um but i'll try to i'll try to condense it down first one's gonna be doug wilson right yeah (laughs) yeah go there's a great there's a great (laughs) little town and there's just a lot of great stuff um I mean, honestly, for some of those guys, though, if you're like fed up with a pretty sissified Christianity, you would probably find a sense of relief in Doug Wilson. I mean, like, truly, I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to him. Right. Mm. I know some young guys who are really drawn to that because it's just like he's he's a guy and he smokes you know, big old fat cigars or normal size cigars, cigars, depending on yeah, depending on where you come from. <laughs> <laughs> giant, giant, just giant, giant humongous cigars. cigars. Yeah. Uh, but he, I mean, he, to his credit, Doug Wilson is. I mean, he's a strong figure, and he's he's pretty unashamed about like what the Bible says and about what the Christian faith says. And there's a lot to be admired, right? In that, and then the post mill attitude. It's one of the things I like about Doug Wilson a lot is the post mill. Like, there's just they have a certain gumption, you know, when they just have this like Jesus is going to win, and the gospel goes forward, and we're not we're not losers down on here, so we don't have to have a defeatist attitude. So, I, I mean, I would say, you know, I would probably recommend him with someone with a little more discernment to weed through some of the different things you might hear. 
But for a lot of those guys, a lot of those younger people that probably wouldn't be the worst. I, I prefer that over, you know, Stephen Furtick or Michael Todd for sure. Um, for me, I would say there's there's kind of two – if I was going to split them up into two cate- three categories. Let me go three categories here. Um, I would especially emphasize, I think, anything that's going to help you have a more biblical view of the local church. I think the local church cannot be stressed enough in just how essential it is for you to grow in your Christian faith and to um, – understands the gospel, understand what it means to live in Christian community. Um, and so to that end, if I'm talking introductory books, um, I think Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Dever is a good one. Um, it's it's approachable. And, you know, he talks about it's not an exhaustive list of what a healthy church looks like, but it's there's some really good um, parameters you know, um, the way they approach prayer and the word and membership and things like that will be really, really helpful. Um, also, how, does God care how we worship by Ligon Duncan, I think would be another one. Um, just the importance of worship and what the Bible teaches us about worship. Um, I think one that's really helpful for people trying to res- discover more robust Christian tradition would be what is Reformed Theology by R.C. Sproul. And I know he's he was hugely, and he still is hugely influential for me in my Christian life. And anything by RC was, was really helpful. It still is. I love RC. Um, so thankful for his ministry. Um, but yeah, what is Reformed Theology? Um, the Holiness of God by RC Sproul, both I think are really helpful in encountering just a much more robust, uh, big God view of not only the Bible, but yes, the Bible and all of history, you know, just understanding that God is the sovereign over all of human history. And then if my second one would be maybe more like practical, experiential Christian living. And so if I just a couple, um, knowing God by J.I. Packer is a great one. Um, this one's definitely more dense for a new reader, but I read it as a, a young Christian, so I know you can do it too. Um, the Mortification of Sin by John Owen is wonderful. Again, very dense, and uh, it will take some time to get through, but it's really helpful. Um, and then I think the uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan mm-hmm. was is still something a book I love. Um, I can't tell you how experientially that's been helpful for me in my Christian walk. Um, and then the last one I would stress is stuff that directs you to understanding church history and Christian thought. So, um, Church History in Plain Language by Bruce Shelley is a good, like, really introductory book to just the story like church history as a very broad sweeping um strokes you know pretty easy to understand um justo gonzalez has some good stuff on like the history of christian theology and church history um and so any i would say anything maybe probably those three categories just good to books that are going to help you understand uh the local church and and understand what the local church should look like and your place in it and how it's so essential for your christian life um yeah some of those guys the puritans i would recommend the puritans to anybody um i just think they're helpful um and i i would yeah church history i think church history is helpful because it does challenge so many of your like presuppositions coming to the bible when you read people who have had to deal with very different questions and so they've talked about the bible they've studied the bible with very different cultural context in mind. And so they talk about a lot of things that you just won't hear people talk about today. And it will add a lot of depth to 
your your walk with the Lord. It'll be incredibly insightful. So those would be some of my some of mine. And the Restless podcast. Um, go listen to Restless. They uh they got a lot of great stuff on there. If they're listening to this right now. They they're listening to Restless. So. <laughs> go really, yeah. Go listen, so go, go listen, listen to, to more. more Restless. Go listen to yeah, more. Exactly. Listening to more Restless. Yeah. <laughs> you should become a Patreon. Yeah. yeah there you go. You could get yeah, even more. Go. Pay us. The best thing you could do is pay us money. Yeah. In your case, <laughs> like top three things that I would recommend for sure. Oh man. Yeah, I've got a short list, um, but I just I, I put different categories um, of type of theology or Christian reading books. Um, this one's for the one that's probably read like most of the like, you know, Kevin DeYoung, Michael Reeves and all of that. Like I would say, like, go pick up Herman Bovink and like read through Reform Dogmatics. I, I have found that to be so beneficial in my life um, in the recent year as I've been slowly just picking up different parts at it and picking at it. And it's just been great. But for the person who doesn't want to spend $400 on his systematic set, or isn't just at the point of sitting down to read that, which by the way, is pretty much everyone. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So (laughs) um, for the everyday person that probably has a college education, maybe about to hit college um, for theology proper, I would say delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. Um, he just does a really good job showing how like the Trinity should be at the forefront of our Christian thought. Um, and unfortunately, in a lot of evangelical worship services, um, it is proper to worship God the Son, but often God the, God the Father and God the Spirit are forgotten in our forms of worship. Um, so he was just kind of like, Let, let's delight in the entire Trinity. Um, and I, I found that to be a very formative book for me um and moving to a more liturgical tradition um systematic theology uh with what you guys are just going through uh, or just finished up here on uh your book club uh covenants made simple by john t Rhodes. great book very simple very readable uh historical theology um i kind of wanted to be like ron swanson when he went to britain and was like history started at 1776 everything for that before that was a mistake and just be like the reformation's all that matters um but i realize that's not fair however for the reformation book i would say the unquenchable frame by michael reeves um overarching understanding of historical theology uh historical theology by alistair e mcgrath practical theology total truth by nancy piercy uh five lies of our anti-christian age by rosaria butterfield um both of those have been really formative and my engagement with like my thought of engaging with culture, politics, um, ethics, just it, very practical on the feet or on, on the ground. Like how, how do you get these lofty things that you're thinking about all day, at least for me in my office and apply that to your everyday life? Uh, I found those to be very formative. Um, biblical theology, biblical the- theology in the life of the church by Michael Lawrence and then sacramental theology. So baptism and the Lord's supper, um, baptism by Guy M. Richard and the Lord's Supper as a Means of Grace by Richard Barcelos. So um, I know that's a long list, but those are <laughs> those are all books I would say are great for um, diving deeper in theology. None of them are too terribly long. Um, I would say Nancy Pearson's and Rosaria Butterfield. Dogmatics. Reform Dogmatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that one's <laughs> this long. might be a little long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. Yeah, yeah, that's well, my list. Yeah, and I'll 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 just say this, and you know, if you're listening to this, 
it's really easy to get bogged down in a million podcasts and you're constantly scrolling, you're finding all kinds of YouTube videos and, and there's lots of helpful resources. We'll point you to more of those over time. You've heard some of them here. Seriously, the most important thing is to get into a good local church. Yes. Whether it's super reformed or not, um, as yeah. long as it's a faithful place with faithful men and women that love God and are going to disciple you, that actually is the most important thing. That's actually yeah. what's going to help you most. Um, yeah. on, as far as the actual long-term faithfulness, um, that's what you need. And yes. um, if you're in a place and you're like, hey, I don't know where to look. I don't know how to look or find a good church. Go ahead and email us. Um, find, you know, get, get the, uh, restless email, um, restless podcasting at gmail.com and send us a message. We'd love to look something up. We've done that in the past, try to help connect people to, um, some good churches. We may not know one in your area, but we'll try. And so, um, definitely, definitely do that. And maybe we can connect somebody with you, um, and, and would love to do that. So guys, this has been great. We've had a lot of fun. We're maybe going to have a little more fun even after this, but we'll save that for uh, maybe another week. So thank you, Elijah, Noah. Always good to have you guys with us. Sure. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having us. Hey, thank you for listening to Restless. Even though I wasn't here, I listened to it too. It was great, wasn't it? If you want more from us, from me, from Michael, from others, why don't you sign up for the Patreon? It's going to be great. Also... Would you do me a quick favor and send us feedback, a question, a comment, a tweet, something to react to here for our big 400K, 300K download show, whatever it ends up being. Thank you. Later.